Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio.
Testing, testing, one, two, three. Hope you all can hear me. Bonsoir and good evening, ladies and gentlemen, mesdames, messieurs. It is Sunday, the fifth day of March in the year 2017, and you are now listening to Playtime with Sandra Radio. I'm your hostess, adult media publisher, Sandra London of livinggrind.com, broadcasting for you live from the sunny beaches of Southern California. Playtime with Sandra Radio can be heard via playtimewithsandra.com, uh, blogtalkradio.com slash playtimewithsandra, uh, Naked Girls Radio, iTunes, and Digital Podcast. The song you've just heard at the top of the hour is called Secret Garden, and it was playing, but I did not see it in the like music reel, so for the artist, please hold tight. I'm going to find out. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I just uploaded a few new songs this evening and re-uploaded a few other ones. So hope everyone is doing okay and they're relaxed and like looking forward to tomorrow. Yay, Monday. We all love Mondays, don't we? <laughs> yeah, no. Alrighty, uh, for your next song, let's try uh, Derby Day by Strong Suit. The call in number is 858-815-2333. Once again, 858-815-2333. <laughs> Thank mm-hmm. you. 
press your chin upon his lips, holding the lipstick lingering across your skin. Holy shimmer, go so slowly, if only I was a holy one. He is a puzzle that's so simply undone, but one night washed away in the storm. Oh, 
And we're back. You're listening to Playtime with Sandra Radio, and I'm your hostess, Sandra London of LivingGrind.com. You just heard... Yes, you just heard Derby Day by Strong Suit, uh, Game by Christiane, and it was meant to be by Dubnotic. I love that last song. It's so freaking awesome. Oh, yeah. Anyways, um... What did I title? Okay, for this evening's episode, um, the title is Elements of Royal Spheres, and I think I mentioned it last week or two weeks ago or so, that usually when I'm thinking of, like, a inspiration for a title, I will go to uh, Wikipedia and see, like, on this day, and, like, see the different random things that happened in, like, life <laughs> on those days and things, and so... There were like three different um, things. I need a new word. Okay. Uh, three different events that transpired to create this evening's title, Elements of Royal Spheres. I also <laughs> incidentally um, found like eight or ten other different cool things that has nothing to do with the title. So I'm going to play another song <laughs> or two, and then I'll just briefly share the three that like yeah com- comprises the wherefore and what now how to <laughs> for tonight so so call the numbers 858-815-2333 once again 858-815-2333 let's do i am uh, 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 uh. okay one or two one or two one or two Got it, got it, got it, got it. I'm a little rusty today. What the heck? Sorry, y'all. Okay, Oceans of Fire by King Felix.
Yeah. <laughs> and we're back. You're listening to Playtime with Sandra Radio, and I'm your host, Sandra London of livinggrind.com and playtimewithsandra.com. The songs you just heard were, oh goodness, <laughs> were Cuaro by Yohimbe and uh, Love Space by Convulsic. And yeah, what do you call it? I'm still a little bit frazzled, but okay, two of the three <laughs> that inspired the title of the show this evening. Uh, one was, I'm going to bring it to the page. Um, one actually applies to Monday, uh, March 6th. So it's already Monday for some of you guys out there. <laughs> but uh, that one would be um, how on March 6th in the year 1665, the first joint secretary of the Royal Society, Henry Oldenburg, published the first issue of Philosophical Transactions of the Royal Society the world's longest-running scientific journal. That's where the royal comes from. <laughs> the show tonight and spheres came from, uh, okay, this Nicholas Copernicus book called On the Revolutions of the Heavenly Spheres, and it was actually a book which would be banned 73 years after its release um, and put in the Index Librorum Prohibitorum. It's Latin. It's a dead language. There you go. <laughs> and then the elements. It was like, I'm, now I'm looking for it and I cannot find it. And this is pissing me off or making me upset, what have you. Um, the elements was about the, like, you know, elemental table, like science, whatever. <laughs> and the dude, like, who issued one of the first ones for, like, progress. I don't know. <laughs> Darn it. Anyways, I'm going to look for that one a little bit more. But anyways, I'm going to give you another song and then uh, a clip of an audio reading that I did of uh, an excerpt from On the Road by Jack Kerouac. He's one of my favorite authors of all time. But before that, let's do a song. So I'll do... I, I'll do move something, and this is a song over from SoundCloud. <laughs> Here you go. Oh, man, man, man. Move some, little mama gonna move some. You've been talking for a while, you gotta prove some. Too busy working, man, I'm in my cousin's trial. They hate you when you style, people hate to see you smile, you know. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I told my nigga I need inspiration. You just need a bitch to hurt you. Teacher, I just hope I always be referred to. Teachers, I don't know a nigga that deserves to. Research, I was staying way after my curfew. I was in Miami trying to eat right. We done brought the city to the beach like. Airlines, man, I had to get my seats right. Brian left, nigga, best believe it's still at heat like. Shake some, little mama, gonna shake some. All that giving you been doing, better make some. She said it's only been a week, why don't you wait some? That face some, make me jacket wanna take some. You only act, and I can feel it from AM to PM. Don't get distracted by them people that's up in your DM. At least we work it out, we athletes. 
Drop the new for all the bitches in the jack reef. Soul. These nights are cold and I'm out here in the land of peaches Miami beaches say goodbye to them Miami bitches got me hooked, sometimes I vibe with them Savannah bitches got that look, that's when I ride to them To all my bitches, I got something that applies to them Communication is a virtue Communication brought you patience and that first too Love your personas, but you always show the worst too Roll up a swisher, pull up that liquor for my niggas that's gone to December And if they take away your visits, I hope you remember This for them haters that debate us Envy the team without you, I couldn't make it without you, my nigga Nah, nigga, nah It come to win and we gon' see how y'all niggas fall Really, rap is just a gimme I came in here feeling empty and now we leaving with plenty Move some Little mama gonna move some You've been talking for a while, you gotta prove some Too busy working, man, I'm in my cousin trial They hate you when you style, people hate to see you smile Shake some Little mama gonna shake some All that giving you been doing, better make some She said it's only been a week, why don't you wait some? Bitch You know You know And you know And you know On the Road by Jack Kerouac, recorded by Sandra London, June 17th, 2015. Part 1. I first met Dean not long after my wife and I split up. I had just gotten over a serious illness that I won't bother to talk about, except that it had something to do with the miserably weary split up to my feelings that everything was dead. With the coming of Dean Moriarty began the part of my life you could call my life on the road. Before that, I'd often dreamed of going west to see the country, always vaguely planning and never taking off. Dean is the perfect guy for the road because he actually was born on the road when his parents were passing through Salt Lake City in 1926 and a jalopy on their way to Los Angeles. First reports of him came to me through Chad King, who'd shown me a few letters from him written in a New Mexico reform school. I was tremendously interested in the letters because they so naively and sweetly asked Chad to teach him all about Nietzsche and all the wonderful intellectual things that Chad knew. At one point, Carlo and I talked about the letters and wondered if we would ever meet the strange Dean Moriarty. This is all far back when Dean was not the way he is today, when he was a young jail kid shrouded in mystery. The news came that Dean was out of reform school and was coming to New York for the first time. Also, there was talk that he had just married a girl called Mary Lou. One day I was hanging around the campus and Chad and Tim Gray told me Dean was staying in a cold water pad in East Harlem, the Spanish Harlem. Dean had arrived the night before, the first time in New York, with this beautiful little sharp chick, Mary Lou, 
they got off the Greyhound bus at 50th Street and cut around the corner looking for a place to eat and went right in Hector's. And since then, Hector's Cafeteria has always been a big symbol of New York for Dean. They spent money on beautiful, big glazed cakes and cream puffs. All this time, Dean was telling Mary Lou things like this. Now, darling, here we're in New York. And although I haven't quite told you everything that I was thinking about when we could cross Missouri, and especially at the point when we passed the Boonville Reformatory, which reminded me of my jail problem, it is absolutely necessary now to postpone all those leftover things concerning our personal love things, and at once began thinking of specific work-life plans, and so on in the way that he had in those early days. I went to the cold water flat with the boys, and Dean came to the door in his shorts. Mary Lou was jumping off the couch. Dean had dispatched the occupant of the apartment to the kitchen, probably to make coffee, while he proceeded with his love problems. For him, for to him, sex was the one and only holy and important thing in life, although he had to sweat and curse to make a living and so on. You saw that in the way he stood, bobbing his head, always looking down, nodding like a young boxer to instructions to make you think he was listening to every word, throwing in a thousand yeses and that's right. My first impression of Dean was of a young Gene Autry, trim, thin-hipped, blue-eyed, with a real Oklahoma accent, a sideburned hero of the snowy west. In fact, he'd just been working on a ranch, Ed Walls, in Colorado, before marrying Mary Lou and coming east. Mary Lou was a pretty blonde with immense ringlets of hair like a sea of golden tresses. She sat there on the edge of the couch with her hands hanging in her, her lap and her smoky blue country eyes fixed in a wide stare because she was in an evil gray New York pad that she'd heard about back west and waiting like a long-bodied, emaciated, modigliani surrealist woman in a serious room. But outside of being a sweet little girl, she was awfully dumb and capable of doing horrible things. That night, we all drank beer and pulled wrists and talked till dawn. And in the morning, while we sat around dumbly smoking butts from ashtrays in the gray light of gloomy day, Dean got up nervously, paced around, thinking, and decided the thing to do was to have Mary Lou make breakfast and sweep the floor. In other words, we've got to get on the, on the ball, darling, what I'm saying. Otherwise, it'll be fluctuating and lack true knowledge or crystallization of our plans. Then I went away. <clears throat> During the following week, he confided in Chad King that he absolutely had to learn how to write from him. Chad said I was a writer and he could come to me for advice. Meanwhile, Dean had gotten a job in a parking lot, had a fight with Mary Lou in their Hoboken apartment. God knows why they were there. And she was so mad and so down deep vindictive that she reported to the police some false trumped up hysterical crazy charge and Dean had to land from Hoboken so he had no place to live. He came right out to Patterson, New Jersey, where I was living with my aunt, and one night while I was studying there was a knock on the door, and there was Dean bowing, shuffling obsequiously in the dark of the hall and saying, hello, you remember me, Dean Moriarty? I've come to ask you to show me how to write. And where's Mary Lou, I asked. And Dean said she'd apparently hoard a few dollars together and gone back to Denver. The whore. So we went out to have a few beers because we couldn't talk like we wanted to talk in front of my aunt, who sat in the living room reading her paper. She took one look at Dean and decided that he was a madman.
in the bar, I told Dean, Hell, man, I know very well you didn't come to me only to want to become a writer. And after all, what do I really know about it except you've got to stick to it with the energy of a Benny addict? And he said, Yes, of course, I know exactly what you mean. And in fact, all those problems have occurred to me. But the thing that I want is a realization of those factors. That's one to depend on Schopenhauer's dichotomy for any inwardly realized and so on in that way, things I understood not a bit and he himself didn't. In those days, he really didn't know what he was talking about. That is to say, he was a young jail kid, all hung up on the wonderful possibilities of becoming a real intellectual and liked to talk in the tone and using the words, but in a jumbled way that he had heard from real intellectuals. Although, mind you, he wasn't so naive as that in all other things. And it took him just a few months with Carlo Marx to become completely in there with all the terms and jargon. Nonetheless, we understood each other on other levels of madness. And I agreed that he could stay at my house till he found a job. And furthermore, we agreed to go out west in time. That was the winter of 1947. One night, when Dean ate supper at my house, he already had the parking lot job in New York. He leaned over my shoulders as I typed rapidly away and said, Come on, man. Those girls won't wait. Make it fast. I said, Hold on just a minute. I'll be right with you as soon as I finish this chapter. And it was one of the best chapters in the book. Then I dressed and off we flew to New York to meet some girls. As we rode in the bus, in this weird phosphorescent void of the Lincoln Tunnel, we leaned on each other with fingers waving and yelled and talked excitedly as I was beginning to get the bug, like Dean. He was simply a youth tremendously excited with life, and though he was a con man, he was only conning because he wanted so much to live and to get involved with people who would otherwise pay no attention to him. He was conning me, and I knew it, for room and board, and how to write, etc. And he knew, I knew, this has been the basis of our relationship, but I didn't care about how we got along, or I didn't care, and we got along fine. No pestering, no catering. We tiptoed around each other like heartbreaking new friends. I began to learn from him as much as he probably learned from me. As far as my work was concerned, he said, Go ahead. Everything you do is great. He watched over my shoulder as I wrote stories, yelling, Yes, that's right. Wow. Man. And whew. And wiped his face with his handkerchief. Man, wow, there's so many things to do, so many things to write. How to even begin to get it all down? And without modified restraints, I'm all hung up on, like, literary inhibitions and grammatical fears. <laughs> That's right, man, now you're talking. And a kind of holy lightning I saw flashing from his excitement and his visions, which he described so torrentially that people on buses looked around to see the overexcited night. In the West, he'd spent a third of his time in the pool hall a third in jail, and a third in the public library. They'd see him rushing eagerly down the winter streets, bareheaded, carrying books to the pool hall, or climbing trees to get into the attics of buddies where he spent days reading or hiding from the law. We went to New York. I forget what the situation was. Two colored girls. There were no girls there. They were supposed to meet him at a diner and didn't show up. We went to his parking lot where he had a few things to do change his clothes in the shack and back and spruce up a bit in front of a cracked mirror and so on. And then we took off. And that was the night Dean met Carlo Marx. A tremendous thing happened when Dean met Carlo Marx. Two keen minds that they are, they took to each other at the drop of a hat. Two piercing eyes glanced into two piercing eyes. 
the holy con man with the shiny mind, and the sorrowful poetic con man with the dark mind, that is Carlo Marx. From that moment on, I saw very little of Dean, and I was a little sorry, too. Their energies met head-on. I was a lout compared. I couldn't keep up with them. The whole mad swirl of everything that was to come began then. It would mix up all my friends and all I had left of my family and a big dust cloud over the American night. Carlo told him of old bully, Elmer Hassel, Jane, Lee in Texas growing weed, Hassel on Rikers Island, Jane wandering on Times Square in a benzedrine hallucination with her baby girl in her arms and ending up in Bellevue, and Dean told Carlo of unknown people in the West like Tommy Sharp the club-footed pool hall rotation chart and card player and queer saint. He told him of Roy Johnson, Big Ed Dunkel, his boyhood buddies, his street buddies, his innumerable girls and sex parties and pornographic pictures, his heroes, heroines, adventures. They rushed down the street together, digging everything in the early way they had, which later became so much sadder, perceptive, and blank. But then they danced down the streets like dingle doties, and I shambled after, as I've been doing all my life after people who interest me. Because the only people for me are the mad ones. The ones who are mad to live, mad to talk, mad to be saved, desirous of everything at the same time. The ones who never yawn or say a commonplace thing, but burn, 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 like fabulous yellow Roman candles exploding like spiders across the stars. And then in the middle, you see the blue center light pop, and everybody goes, aww. What if they call such young people in ghost, in ghost Germany? Wanting dearly to learn how to write like Carlo, the first thing you know, Dean was attacking him with a great amorous soul such as only a con man can have. Now, Carlo, let me speak. Here's what I'm saying. I didn't see them for about two weeks, during which time they cemented their relationship to fiendish all-day, all-night talk proportions. And then came spring, the great time of traveling, and everybody in the scattered gang was getting ready to take one trip or another. I was busily at work on my novel, and when I came to the halfway mark, after a trip down south with my aunt to visit my brother Rocco, I got ready to travel west for the very first time. Dean had already left. Carlo and I saw him off at 34th Street Greyhound Station. Upstairs, they had a place where you could make pictures for a quarter. Carlo took off his glasses and looked sinister. Dean made a profile shot and looked coyly around. I took a straight picture that made me look like a 30-year-old Italian who'd kill anybody who said anything against his mother. This picture, Carlo and Dean neatly cut down the middle with a razor and saved a half each in their wallets. Dean was wearing a real Western business suit for his big trip back to Denver. He'd finished his first fling in New York. I say fling, but he only worked like a dog in parking lots, the most fantastic parking lot attendant in the world. He can back a car 40 miles an hour into a tight squeeze and stop at the wall, jump out, race among fenders, leap into another car, circle at 50 miles an hour in a narrow space, back swiftly into a tight spot, hump, snap the car with the emergencies so that you see it bounce as he flies out, then clear to the ticket shack, spring like a track star, hand a ticket, leap into a newly arrived car before the owner's half out, leap literally under him as he steps out, start the car with the door flapping, and roar off to the next available spot, arc, pop in, break, out, run. Working like that without pause, eight hours a night, evening rush hours and after theater rush hours, in greasy wino pants with a frayed fur-lined jacket and beat shoes that flat. 
Now he'd bought a new suit to go back in. Blue with pencil stripes, vest and all, $11 on 3rd Avenue, with a watch and watch chain and a portable typewriter with which he was going to start writing in a Denver rooming house as soon as he got a job there. We had a farewell meal of Franks and Beans and a 7th Avenue Rikers, and then Dean got on the bus that said Chicago and roared off into the night. There went our Wrangler. I promised myself to go the same way when spring really bloomed and opened up the land. And this was really the way that my whole road experience began, and the things that were to come are too fantastic not to tell. Yes, and it wasn't only because I was a writer and needed new experiences that I wanted to know Dean more, and because my life hanging around the campus had reached the completion of its cycle and was stultified, but because somehow, in spite of our difference in character, he reminded me of some long-lost brother. The sight of his suffering bony face with the long sideburns and a straining muscular sweating neck made me remember my boyhood and those dye dumps and swim holes and riversides of Peterson and the Passaic. His dirty work clothes clung to him so gracefully, as though he couldn't buy a better fit from a custom tailor, but only earn it from the natural tailor of natural joy, as Dean had, and his dresses. And in his excited way of speaking, I heard again the voices of old companions and brothers under the bridge, among the motorcycles, along the wash line neighborhood, and drowsy doorsteps of afternoon, where boys played guitar, guitars while their older brothers worked in the mills. All my other current friends were intellectuals. Chad, the Nietzschean anthropologist, Carlo Marx in his nutty surrealist, low voice, serious, staring talk, old Bull Lee in his critical, anti-everything drawl, or else they were slinking criminals like Elmer Hassel with that hit sneer, Jane Lee, the same sprawled on the oriental cover of her couch, sniffing at the New Yorker. But Dean's intelligence was every bit as formal and shining and complete without the tedious intellectualness. And his criminality was not something that sulked and sneered. It was a wild, yeah, thing over burst of American joy. It was western, the west wind, an ode from the plains, something new, long prophesied, long a-coming. He only stole cars for joy rides. Besides, all my New York friends were in the negative nightmare position of putting down society and giving their tired bookish or political or psychoanalytical reasons, but Dean just raced in society, eager for bread and love. He didn't care one way or the other. So long as I can get that little gal that little something down there between her legs, boy, and so long as we can eat, son, you hear me? I'm hungry. I'm starving. Let's eat right now. And off we'd rush to eat, or as, as said, sayeth Ecclesiastes, it is your portion under the sun. A Western kinsman of the Sundean. Although my aunt warned me that he would get me in trouble, I could hear a new call and see a new horizon and believe it at my young age. And a little bit of trouble, or even Dean's eventual rejection of me as a buddy, putting me down, as he would later, on starving sidewalks and sick beds. What did it matter? I was a young writer, and I wanted to take off. Somewhere along the line, I knew there'd be girls, visions, everything. Somewhere along the line, the pearl would be handed to me. Now that's better, baby. Why don't we sing a song to help pass the time? Hmm? 
Row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 life is down the stream. Merrily, 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 life is but a dream. Merrily, 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 life is down the stream. Merrily, 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 merrily. So many people will tell you no, and you need to find something you believe in so hard that you just smile and tell them, watch me. Learn to take rejection as motivation to prove people wrong. Be unstoppable. Refuse to give up, no matter what. Yeah. All right. Hey. Everybody up across is a beer farmer. So don't you ever think say you wanna. So for me tell you where I go with the next man. You're surprised to hear more film situation. Fire on negative meditation. You can rest but no resignation. You have to tough up yourself with the Gideon. Worry, worry, we not. Just don't give up. Don't give up. No matter where you go through. No matter where you go through. And if you have to tell you. If you have to tell you. If you have to tell you. Just don't give up, don't give up From your wake and the sky blue, wake and the sky blue And your teeth on a shine through, just go and make the next move Yo, don't give up This your life is a journey Some roads straight, some of them curvy Sometimes it feels up to turvy Work every day, you, you must get weary I may know say it must feel scary If you try your best and they think still shaky You want to quit and give up like Katie Before you do not do not hear me Don't give up, don't give up No matter where you go through, no matter where you go through. And if you want to tell you From your quit then you must lose Just don't give up, don't give up From your wake and the sky blue And your teeth on a shine through Just go and make the next move Another daylight, so just get your mind right. Yup, and don't you worry about the tough times, patchy patchy rough times. Focus on your mind. Set, cause anything that you made fun that you are gonna get done in case they never know us away. Set, so just make up a life plan. Make sure your mind's strong and every day to that you make just up. Don't give up, don't give up. No matter where you go through, no matter where you go through. And if you want to tell you, from your quit, then you must lose. Just don't give up. From your wake and the sky blue, and your teeth on a shine through, just go and make the next move, young, don't give up. No matter where you go through, no matter where you go through, and if you want to tell you, if you want to tell you, from your quit, then you must lose, just don't give up, don't give up. From your wake and the sky blue, and your teeth on a shine through, just go and make the next move, young, don't give up. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.